Welcome to Behind the Idea, the podcast that looks at what makes great investment analysis work. I'm Mike Taylor. And I'm Daniel Schwartzman. Today, we're doing our year-end podcast to wrap up 2018. This is Behind the Idea's first year, and we want to round it out in style. We're going to look back at our 48 podcasts covering over 30 ideas. We had over 30 guests over the course of the year. We set out at the beginning of the year to explore ideas within the Seeking Alpha ecosystem to find out what makes successful analysis work. And now, with the perspective of time and the wisdom of our hard-fought podcasts, we want to get a little closer to some of the answers. So we're doing an award show. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the inaugural Seeking Alpha Behind the Idea Awards, or as we like to call them, the Alfies. We're calling out, yeah. (laughs) Woo! Yeah! We're calling out our favorite guests, ideas, stories, and of course, investment results. Actually, it's not really of course. We're very process-focused podcast here. But it's the end of the year, holidays, season, you know, we're feeling a little cheery. So we're going to do a little results-oriented talk for the first time. All right, but before we get started, just remember that nothing on this podcast should be taken as investment advice of any sort whatsoever. We will disclose any positions that Daniel or I have at the end of the podcast. We're not 100% sure right now at the beginning what we will be talking about. All right, here we go. Daniel. First award is for our favorite guest on Behind the Idea this year. We had, as discussed, over 30 guests. Had a slow start to the year, but we eventually had more and more people join us. And we're grateful to everybody who took the time to speak with us were not the most obvious guests to speak with or hosts to speak with, and we appreciate the courtesy that everybody showed us. With that said, a few nominees I would put in the ring for our favorite guest, and then Mike, add anybody else that you think is worth consideration. I would add Burnham Barche, who joined us to talk about her Ralph Lauren thesis and also open the veil on her investment process in a really enjoyable conversation this summer. Vince Martin, who joined me to speak about National Beverage Corp, former colleague of ours, good friend. Brian Langis, Seeking Alpha contributor, spoke Disney with us. Priya Anand was one of our Amazon guests. We did that Amazon extravaganza. Really enjoyed speaking with her. Uh, I'm afraid I'm mentioning a lot of people who actually I end up doing one-on-one calls with. And so, Mike, you may need to chime in. But Phoebe Wall-Howard on GM, really enjoyed speaking with her, getting some Michigander insights on the podcast. Katie Baker, we spoke with her on Manchester United of The Ringer. And, of course... Professor Aswath Demodoran, who 
joined us twice. One of our few guests who managed to make two appearances. Much love to him for joining us and dropping a lot of knowledge on this podcast about Facebook, Amazon, and his investing approach. Mike, do you want to shoehorn any other nominations in before we name our winners? I think it'll come as no surprise to you, at least, that Paul Brady deserves a shout out as a nomination for his insights on uh, cruise ships and travel in general. I'm biased in my nomination of Paul Brady because he and I go back 10 years now as friends, but uh, I think he was a legit expert a fun and entertaining dude and uh, had really good insights on the cruising industry. And, you know, we need to, we need to be good cruisers here at behind the idea. So I'll throw, I'll throw Brady out there. Um, but, but uh, do you have any more or? No, I think that's, I think Brady's a good one. I think Brady was our other two, two podcast guests. Yeah. Repeat performer. Yeah. Yeah. So absolutely. Okay, so without further ado, I would name my favorite guest of the year as Professor Aswat Demodoran. Whoa! Feel- <laughs> Congratulations, <laughs> Demodoran. You win the first, he wins the first ever Alfie's award. Alfie, which is it's a statue. We have the statues here. They're of Alf the television alien, <laughs> the hairy brown guy that looks kind of like a camel. He's so, got a tattoo of a alpha symbol on his. He's got a his... alpha symbol tattooed on his. Where is it, Daniel? I can't find it on, on mine. <laughs> it's on his arm. It's, it's, right on his arm. it's on his bicep. It's like a sailor tattoo. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, Professor Demodorin, please uh, be on the lookout uh, in the mail for your inaugural Alfie Award. Um, this is all made of, of course, we don't actually have statues of the television sitcom Alien Alf from the 80s. And they certainly, if we did have them, they would not have tattoos of Alfie symbols in their arms. But, uh, all right. So should we, let's get in a little bit. Why Demodoran? Why is Demodoran your winner here? I think... I almost feel like it's a sort of Barry Bond situation where you have to carve out a different category, but because he's, <laughs> he's on steroids. <laughs> no, no, because he's there was using a... PEDs. <laughs> <laughs> because there was that. He has a size thirty hat <laughs> or whatever. I think because he was one of our first. I think he was our second or third guest to join, but also, I think he just was really generous with his time and he comes with a lot of expertise and was really the conversations. I felt like we were able to get into some really further than just, I think Facebook is a buyer. I think Amazon is a short. I feel like we really, he was, he was generous with opening his process with, he was confident about what he was doing. There was no sort of false humility, but at the same time he was, very aware of sort of the limits that any investor has. And I just thought, and I think the reader response to his, the listener response to his podcast was really strong. And I think that's, you know, perhaps self-fulfilling, but I think it's a sign of just the people appreciating the work he's done over his career, 
the knowledge he has to share. And so I just felt it elevated the discussion in a way. I think a lot of our guests, most, if not all of our guests, elevated the discussion and brought a unique perspective. But I just thought that he stood out. I guess that would be yeah. just all I would I would put it at. Yeah. I also I think that his background in teaching and as an instructor was helpful to him. Gave him kind of a leg up over many of our other guests in the sense he was good at answering questions for that reason. And I also think he's more practiced than most at just spelling out how he got where he got with his analysis. Well, and he's a multimedia dynamo. I mean, he films his own YouTube videos. He's, he's, uh, he gives lectures. I mean, the guy, he's fluent in investing and in talking about investing and in joining different media opportunities to continue to share his knowledge. Yeah. More like a Deion Sanders or a Bo Jackson than a multi-sport athlete. I like that. I kind of like Neon Dion Demodorin. <laughs> neon Demodorin. I, I, yeah, I, I like that. I like that. All right. Demo- All right. Oswap knows. You can Oswap get that. Knows. That's good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Got a big poster of him holding a baseball bat and a football. I don't know. I don't remember how the poster. Um, well, shout out to all our special nominees for favorite guest. Uh, Berna, Vince, Brian Langis, Priya, Phoebe, Katie Baker. Paul Brady, we loved having you all on the show. Unfortunately, you do not hold a candle to Oswald Demodorin, our 2018 Alfie winner for favorite guests. So congratulations to the professor, the multi-sport athlete. All right, uh, let's close up the category of favorite guest and move on to favorite story of the year. So Daniel, who are your nominees? For the favorite, and well, first let's talk about what this category means. I think what it means is the investment idea that kind of had the most compelling narrative, probably some of the most interesting characters associated with the company, or some of the most compelling sort of future opportunity, or what the investment idea said about where we're headed as a society, as a culture technologically where we're going. Uh, but how would you define uh, the favorite story of the year? Yeah, I think you got it because I think the next category after this will be most interesting idea. And most interesting idea to me is really the one when you're thinking about from an investing standpoint, the most interesting ideas or from the just the unpacking, where will the stock go? Whereas I think these, I'm as interested, if not more interested in the company itself, in the drama, in the sort of different players that come up in the story. And so I think that's how I would distinguish these two categories. It's sort of like you have best picture and you have best director. There's going to be overlap, but there's also sort of a different angle. There's a different focus to what you're getting at. And so I think this, I would say favorite story, like favorite things that sort of favorite conversations that Mm. bloomed out of the investment idea. Like flowers or mushrooms, they bloom. do mushrooms bloom? I think so. They sprout. They sprout. They sprout. Well, some of the conversations sprouted more than bloomed. I think. Fair. We'll talk. Fair. About yeah, that's fair. <laughs> um, okay, so 
Your first nominee is Shopify. What's up with that? Shopify surprised me. Uh, uh, Shopify, I didn't really think was going to be that much of a hot button topic. And I think what's interesting about Shopify is where we are in the market now as far as, you know, the stock market. We're in still sort of in the midst of a correction, more or less. And we've got a lot of themes over the bull market, recurring revenue, subscription revenue, SAAS of, or anything as a service. And this idea of providing instead of selling individual units or widgets or what have you, selling subscriptions and kind of ongoing relationships is the value of a business. And you get something like Shopify, where our discussion started from an article arguing that the way you have to look at Shopify is as a potential next Amazon and that they're going to kind of grow. And we've sort of we're looking at what's the right pattern here. What do you kind of get into? And just, you know, we had three guests on who we spoke with about it. I was just surprised with how much interest there was among readers, how much of a battleground it was, what's going on with the stock since. And so I thought that was that was why this made the list for me. All right. Yeah. Uh, I Yeah. I think it's probably the surprise engagement for sure. Because it's just kind of this online platform to help you know merchants sell businesses. It doesn't seem like it should be that big a deal, but uh, some people disagree with that. Uh, next up, we had Disney, and I'll, I think I added this one to the list. So mm-hmm. my rationale for nominating Disney is, first of all, it's a blue chip stock. It's old. Everyone everyone knows about Disney, and. What's interesting to me about it is that the investment community and media sort of talked itself into a renewed growth narrative for Disney around streaming media. And I just thought it was interesting to my mind to watch people try and construct a narrative around this legacy media giant getting in the mix of all this technological innovation and this content boom, it felt a little overdetermined to me. Or maybe I think that only because of hindsight, but that was what was was interesting to me about that was kind of, I guess that's maybe more like the, the story just didn't seem to have, I don't know. It didn't seem quite like it was, genuine the way that a Shopify story was or something. It felt a little bit manufactured. Do you agree? Or what do you think? I th- I don't think the interest in it is manufactured. And I should, I'll disclose at the end as well. I'm long Disney. And I think part of our interest was that I was considering the stock, which surprised me. I think what you're saying is the conclusion does seem a little bit, it seems like Disney is getting credit prematurely for having a, for, going to achieve their transition. There's a presumption yeah. that they will achieve the transition to net, to become Disney flicks. And that was because we started with Brian Langus's article, which was very much a Peter Lynchian qualitative mm-hmm. corporate strategy. I use Disney to babysit my kids, my kids sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And Disney has, but Disney has that connection with so many people. So it's not surprising. Shopify, 
you know, maybe it is tang- uh, salient for people in their lives because they're running shops or whatever else. But it was a little surprising. Shopify had so much emotional connection for people, whereas Disney is sort of the emotional stock that a lot of people attach to. And so... I want to live yeah, in a world where more people <laughs> operate shops than have children. Thinking <laughs> alpha. Then the Legion narrative <laughs> just is overtaking Shopify because no one has kids anymore. They just, everyone sets up a little online. Reset. Anyway, anyway. Uh, there you go. So Disney. <laughs> So our our other nominees to round out this category are Bright House Financial, which I think is just interesting. A lot of the names that we covered this year, we had a few different types that we covered in year one of Behind the Idea. There was the growth story, like Shopify. Uh, we had a few other high growth stocks that we were trying to wrap our heads around as value investors. There was the value trap, like Bright House, where... David Einhorn, you know, it kind of caught our radar because David Einhorn commented on an article that was kind of calling him out as being wrong in his investment in Bright House. And it's just, it's a really complicated story. There's a lot of opacity in the company's balance sheet and what the quality of their assets are. There's adjusted earnings going on there. And so there's just a lot of different things to unpack there. And I think it's an, it's a very, it's not salient to a lot of readers. It's a very nerdy topic, but I thought that Bright House, Bright House made the list for that, I think. Um, National Beverage Corp is the owner of LaCroix. And I thought that was, we, you know, we covered that a couple of times. We talked about it together and then we brought on Rachel Arthur of Beverage Daily and Vince Martin. And, uh, that's just got the kooky CEO. That's got um yeah, definitely got the kooky CEO on that <laughs> one. So, but also Lacroix. I mean, it's just kind of fun. You talked about your experience with Lacroix. Yeah. Turns out Vince doesn't like Lacroix, but uh, is bullish on the company, and so it was just kind of fun. And it, that's also sort of it's not a crazy growth multiple, but it's another sort of growthy name, and so that's interesting. And then. CRISPR Therapeutics was fun because it's this modern technology, gene editing, which has popped up in the news recently, and there's a lot of implications there. And then also for the other side of it, which was not to bring up old positions, but Gilead, and what are they going to do, and are they a potential buyer, and all those sorts of – it was just – I think it was was our first podcast that really – uh, found a strong audience, so that's maybe why it lodge, lodges in my brain as a memorable one. But I think the discussion, I think that's because it hits on some interesting things as far as new technologies. It, it almost combines those two themes I just talked about: a new technology and a growthy company on the one hand, and a potential value trap and how do that how does that work? And so those would be that would be how I would round out the category. Okay, so to recap, favorite story of the year for best investment narrative, our nominees are Shopify, Disney, Bright House Financial, National Beverage, and CRISPR CRISPR Therapeutics, excuse me, Uh, who the winner is, Daniel... 
Shopify. Shopify. Woo! All right. S H O P. Uh, why, why Shopify take away the prize here? I think when we look back on 2018, Shopify is going to be without knowing where the company ends up. And it, it dropped for quite a bit uh, in the weeks after we covered it. No relation, I'm sure. But then it has kind of rebounded. I think we'll look back on 2018, five, ten years from now, and Shopify will be one of those names where we went, huh, that's really, that typifies the time period. Whether or not it becomes a great investment on the long or short side, I think oh. that's, uh, I think it'll you. stand in well. Wow. That's good. I I like that approach. The the player that defines its era, Shopify. And the reason for that, I guess, is probably because we because of what we talked about, like software as a service, subscription revenue, growth stories, online dominating everything, uh, and the just encroachment of technology into our lives. I'll buy it. Okay. Shopify. Congratulations, you are the story of the year. Maybe uh, maybe now that they've won an Alfie, they will want to talk to us. Uh, we'll we'll have to reach out to investor relations at Shopify and let them know that they won the Alfie Award for favorite story of the year. And uh, if they'd like to make an acceptance speech, they should come on down. <laughs> we'll make sure it's Reg FD uh, compliant for sure. Okay, so most interesting idea. We already kind of talked about what this category means, but it's, uh, in my opinion, it's the idea that the analytical process had something special to it, that someone found something interesting or brought a unique perspective to the investment case and why the stock was going to go in the direction that the person thought it would. What about you, Daniel? Yeah, I think it's that and maybe a, a little bit of also just interesting to consider if I were to, if I, if my portfolio was all in cash and I was going to go now start to look at where to consider investments. I think these are the companies that not necessarily I would invest in, but that, that just really got my brain thinking and my brain thinking. Got your brain that. thinking. <laughs> but really got yeah, me I'm thinking. Got your brain thinking. <laughs> so I let's like get that. to the let's get to the nominees. Okay. First nominee is GM. I'll talk a little bit about this one even though I didn't put it up there. GM was bailed out only 10 years ago. Somehow though, I kind of think of it as being this eternal blue chip stock. And Blue Pacific did a really nice job of disabusing me of the notion that GM is some sort of invulnerable American icon and delved into some what look like pretty meaningful issues in the financial statements, including, I think, some real, put some decent-sized holes in some of the international growth story and so took to me, took a critical look at a company that may sort of escape careful scrutiny among a lot of investors for being kind of a dividend classic. 
What do you think, Daniel? Yeah, I, I think also what's interesting about it, so disclosure that, again, I'll restate at the end, I'm long forward still and haven't... haven't oh, I, when are you going to get rid of that thing? <laughs> <laughs> and one of the things I thought about, like GM, it seemed like a really compelling short setup, honestly. And one thing we've been hearing a lot, especially over the past few weeks with the market volatility, is this idea of the cycle turning, of late cycle. And that's cliche to some degree, but the auto cycle is its a very cyclical industry and you can sort of see the numbers playing out and Ford has gotten hit pretty hard. And I'm not looking at Fiat's chart right now, but Fiat trades pretty cheaply as well. And they, they seem to be s- sort of the value favorite, but I don't know. I, so I, I just think that's a really like, Hmm, there's something to, I, and I'm never sure of a stock and I'm not necessarily sure I want to, but GM to me, that was, yeah, I don't know. And then you, there's obviously a lot of socio-political aspects to that, but I think just from the investment case, it was really interesting. Yeah, that was a good one. It was hard for me to come to grips with the possibility that uh, an automaker could have such substantial downside. All right, Amazon. I did not put this one on the list. Daniel put this one on the list. Daniel, why is Amazon on the list for most interesting idea? Because we talked about it for five episodes. Because <laughs> <laughs> No, I, but we talked about it for five episodes because there's so many different components to unpack. I think Amazon's role in society is very Amazon, Google. Those, those are the two companies, I think. Uh, not the, I wouldn't put the whole thing complex in there, but those two, I think, are just in a really interesting spot. And we covered Google earlier in the year, but I think just understanding what those companies are doing and how to consider them as investments, how to, how to learn and value them in a way that you can't, like you have to value that in a different way from how you would value Fiat Chrysler or GM. Like there's just a different, it's a different trajectory, a different type of stock. And so I thought that was worth the time we spent on it. And it seems like we, we didn't, nobody complained about us spending the time we did on it in November. So it seems like there's interest out there in what the company is doing. Next up, we have Ralph Lauren. That was Berna Barche's short thesis. What did you like about this one, Daniel? I like that the numbers actually don't look so bad. And we didn't talk a ton about the numbers with Berna, but the numbers to me weren't so obviously bad. But also there was, again, there were just a few components there with the the Instagram elements and sort of the new, the polo being sort of a Gen X thing and sort of basic bro and all that. And them trying to pivot and the feeling that they may have even pivoted in response to some of the things Berna said as far as adding people to their board or whatever else. I just thought there was a lot of, and then the fact that she, the way she kind of did channel checking, but combined it with, it wasn't just this um, parody of Peter Lynch where she went to a couple stores and said, oh, that's great or that's bad. She obviously did really rigorous work there. I just thought that made it an interesting idea 
and something that has been playing out since we first did our podcast. But that, that's why that one stood out for me. I'll just add that this year has been, a, in terms of short ideas, has been a year of learning for me about identifying companies who are not up to anything nefarious, who are not willfully deceiving shareholders as far as we know or anything like that, but just that are probably going to underperform due to business challenges. And I think that was a really... This is sort of a case study in that approach to stocks, which is not an approach that I had been overly familiar with uh, prior to this year, prior to starting uh, the Behind the Idea podcast. So it's harder work, I think, to do that. And that's reflected in what you talked about with the channel checks and spotting these kind of potential generational shifts in the market. So unlike Amazon, Ralph Lauren, you have my endorsement as a nominee for most interesting idea next up canopy growth what's up with this i I don't think that's interesting as an investment still despite but i i was surprised that surprised me for how much there was to unpack there i it's popular topic obviously it looks like we more or less top ticked the sector when we covered it but um (laughs) yo contra indicator behind the idea but I just thought, you know, Darren McCammon obviously has spent a lot of time in the space and has really thought about a lot. So I really enjoyed having him on. We just, there was a lot to learn that, and I do think at the risk of sounding like a rube, especially in the light of the Afria short that we discussed with Gabriel Grego and Nate Anderson. And just, I think there's, I think investors should be skeptical of the sector as a whole, but from a economic standpoint it really is a new burgeoning industry that at the same time has an existing market and has an existing demand and i don't know darren argued is that essentially your marketing and your patents will be the moats that you have it, it could be i don't know i i will be very curious to see if that actually is what plays out but i just thought that that was for that reason, I thought the idea was interesting. I liked that there was some foresight into the technological innovations that might take place, including, you know, like drinkable cannabis. I also think it's funny that we talked about how much more grown up and mature this industry seemed to be since when it first kind of came to the fore in, you know, the early 20 teens like 2013 14 mm-hmm. and then you know a couple months later <laughs> the bunch of short sellers come out and have identified some fairly concerning issues within the space and certainly does not appear to be all that much safer now than it was earlier or at least it's not a time to be totally complacent which i think if we probably listen back to those episodes there will be some signs of complacency in there which just goes to show you how uh, how tough a popular sector can be to figure out, I think. Totally. Alibaba. What what do you what's interesting about the bot so which idea are you referring to with Alibaba? So so we started with Julian Lynn's idea. I think just yeah, I think the I guess I'm more interested as we talked about last week and sort of the 
I don't want to overcharacterize it, but the world weary cynicism that Ann Stevenson Yang brings to <laughs> analyzing China, I think is really, is really interesting. And, and yeah, and just that there's a lot of conviction out there about Baba and that there's a lot of, I don't think anybody is, people say it's cheap and I don't, except for EV sales, which you used as a potential <laughs> metric, right? but I don't like, it doesn't actually seem like it's cheap and there's still a lot of faith in what's going on in China that I don't know. May, like I'm not convinced that the people who are writing this up and who are talking about this have reason to have so much faith in like, I, I, I guess just as we were saying with cannabis that maybe it's not as, developed and solid a business as it might have seemed to us two months ago. I also think China is still not quite this stable. It's not Western Europe. It's not the U S it's not Japan. Like there are still question marks around it. And yet Alibaba, yes, it's the biggest company there, but there's still, I don't know. I guess that's what I find interesting. Got it. Yeah. This was, I almost came around to the long side of this, as you mentioned, the EV sales metrics started to appealing <laughs> to me. Uh, but I, I, this might be another era defining stock, I think, in a similar mm-hmm. way what you talked about with Shopify. China emerging markets, the rise of China and China as an economic rival to the United States. It, Replication of the tech infrastructure that the U.S. has in China or the attempts at it is probably a big story and going to be a bigger story as time goes on. Also, concerns about fraud and sort of the international relationship between China's domestic entrepreneurs and international investors and global trade and China's rising influence in global trade are all themes that are likely to persist for a long time. And in addition to that, just sort of emotionally, you have the charismatic story CEO, and this is a story stock with a story multiple, and it's in tech, and it touches on this kind of high-frequency user engagement, social media, all these new modes of user and consumer interaction. Baba's, uh, maybe it's, I'd, it's almost a story. It's a good story stock too, I think. So I just, I know it's not in the category, but, uh, I think the insight, what's the insight on Baba is kind of the, what you said, the, the conflicting perception. The amount of credit that the market gives it versus Ann Stevenson Yang's pretty flat refusal to give the company credit for its valuation. Big time. Bob is big time. Big narrative, big story, big idea out there. It feels like I got it. Maybe, maybe I should short it. It's not in the NASDAQ 100. I don't think, but just too bad. <laughs> I'm long QETF. I'm effectively short the QQQ ETF via that vehicle. Although I'm sure I own plenty of tech stocks in some of my other passive portfolios.
this, but that's my disclosure. All right, last up for most interesting idea, Thor Industries, ticker symbol THO. What's up with this? I slipped. I slipped this one as a last minute nominee. And I think the reason is just, I think it's like, I don't own any shares in Thor. I don't have, I will definitely wait for this to be published and for days to pass. I think it's likely I will own shares in Thor in some point in the next few months. And the reason is that I think it's a quality company. It seems like they've historically done a good job. And they made, they've sold off really heavily and, we covered a Dr. X article and then he joined us in the podcast and we really, really like his work. I think the both of us and he sort of was at the wrong point in the cycle. He, the stock had gotten up all the way to 160. I think the article he wrote, it was at 120 and he said it could go back up to 170. It's now at $55 a share more or less. So it's really, it's really tightened up. They've had a couple bad quarters. They made a big acquisition that's going to put some debt on their balance sheet. I actually think that they, I've looked a little bit at the cycle over the past and they tend to still produce free cash flow even at the bottom of the cycle. And I think they are likely to be fine. I think that the, if you put the range of probability, they are likely to be fine. And it's just a matter of how much is the drawdown and how big is the, how long does it take for it to recover? But I think it's a really interesting stock. And, you know, so, so this is just a literal, it, no investment advice, but I thought for me, this is a stock that I'm going to be continuing to do work on. And that I think is, and, and Dr. X pointed out, like, look, there have been steep drawdowns in the past. One of our top listeners, Corey Kramer, who is an author on Seeking Alpha, does really nice work on cycles and he's written about Thor quite a bit in the aftermath of this and just kind of how much they might pull back, how much how do you then consider staging an entry into the shares, etc. And so I just think it's a again, it not this is not in terms of the way the economy is, but just in terms of the where we're headed in the stock market cycle. I think this is a really interesting idea. And I think yeah. So that that's my piece. Cool. Yeah. I was just really shocked at the drawdown portfolio or portfolio profile on this one. You got to really be ready to take some major dings if you're going to pull the trigger or, you know, keep a lot of dry powder so that you can keep averaging down. Uh, <laughs> not investment advice. I had no <laughs> positions, probably no intended positions in Thor, but I, I like the idea of a company who's business is potentially sustainable across cycles and can get cheap. I think we can agree that you the drawdowns do lead to potentially some opportunities there. Okay, so the nominees are GM, Amazon, Ralph Lauren, Canopy Growth, Alibaba, and Thor Industries. Daniel, your winner for most interesting idea of 2018 is... GM. GM, woo! All right. <laughs> GM needs a win these days. Let's give him one. Ah, okay. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Poor GM. Like a rock, falling like, <laughs> like a rock. <laughs> well, it's not. Is what's what's crazy is the stock has actually been fine. Their political profile is falling. Their um, the way they're viewed in society, I don't think is doing great, but their stock is actually held up, which is what is also interesting about this story. Mm. Yeah. GM. So, 
great, great, great stock. <laughs> uh, okay. The winner for most interesting investment idea is GM, General Motors, because the stock went up a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's actually down on the year, but it's doing better than... It's just, it's just because, yeah, I just think there's... It combines the cycle issues, the value trap issues, the yeah. disconnect between what bulls will say and what bears will say. I just think there's a few different, um, there's a, there's this, the changing auto industry. There's a lot to unpack there. I, I use the word unpack a lot on this, but I think there's a lot to talk about with GM and a lot to think about. There's a lot packed up. So use the word unpack a lot. Moving on. Biggest surprise in terms of stock outcome so far this year. So this is, I guess, now that we have the benefit of hindsight, we can look back and see some of the results of some of the ideas, where some of the stocks have headed versus where we thought they might head at the time we covered them. Daniel, what's your first nominee for biggest surprise in terms of stock outcome so far this year? So just to frame it, I we calculated returns from when we posted our podcast to December 11th, which is Tuesday of this week. We're recording it on Friday, the 14th. And I also just quickly tabulated the long ideas we covered on average have returned minus 15%. Yeah. The, short idea, <laughs> the short ideas, though, are down 12%, which means that they are generating positive returns if you're shorting them. Obviously, we're, we're, we're not, when we talk about an idea as he, on behind the idea, we don't actually necessarily agree with it or not. And of, as we keep mentioning, no investment advice, just interesting stats. Uh, first nominee for something that was surprising is one we just mentioned. I'm a little surprised that Thor has played out this quickly. Um, you could sort of see the pieces coming together for the cycle. But the stock was already down from 160 to 120. I did not expect it to be cut in half again in 10 months or so. And so that's a little, uh, not a huge surprise, but that's when you think of other stocks, other industries that haven't fully played out, I was surprised that that one has gone as fast as it has. Do you think it's a, do you think Thor is a leader? What do you think caused the breakdown? in the stock price. I think there's, well, so I think each of those companies in that sector, you have Camping World, you have LCI Industries, Winnebago, they, you, you look at our news and it seems like one reports bad numbers and everybody else gets sick. They, I think there were a couple things. There was tariffs. Tariffs have been perceived as negative due to sourcing costs. I think they made an acquisition which is not, they added, I think something like, I think the number was 2.1 billion euros. Uh, it was a European acquisition. Their market cap is now under 3 billion. So it was obviously much higher, but just to give you some context. So it's a big acquisition. Maybe not the best time to put that on your balance sheet, even though it was, they are debt free leading into the close of that acquisition for what it's worth. The latest leg is they really did post a bad quarter, I think, in their, the, it's their fiscal Q1, but it was the one they just reported last week. It was a tough quarter. And they, before that, they had been showing high inventories, I think high 
dealer inventory. So there was, it's not a literal retail store, but I think David Berman would have seen this one coming. I think he could have pointed to some inventory growth versus some sales growth issues. And so, yeah. So, so I think that's what's going on. Okay. Next up, CMG Chipotle Mexican Grill. I have some affection for this one, but tell me what was surprising about Chipotle. I don't know. I just, I'm just 50% or so returner uh, at a time when Bill Ackman, shout out to Bill Ackman, but you know, we, our conversation, as I recall, was a lot about how everybody thinks they're a burrito expert and about how Bill Ackman gets himself into a tough position by being so public about his investments and thus being so commitment uh, biased to each of his investments and where it's tough to kind of move around. But, you know, this has worked. This has worked really nicely. And so I just, and I haven't, to be fair, I've still never eaten in a Chipotle and I haven't been following the stock closely. And so I don't know, just, just didn't realize that this would work as well as it has. Yeah, I thought Chipotle was going to, I would have put it probably at the time we covered it toward the top of the list of potential underperformers, I think, if I'm being honest. It just seems kind of like the valuation's always been pretty generous seeming and how much more can it grow? We've seen Ackman get into some strange situations with Herbalife or with Valiant and we were concerned at the time I think that this might be another uh barrel of monkeys for him but yeah I I this is a surprise in fact I had not really looked at the stock since we covered it and didn't even really know where it was and to see it on our spreadsheet up around 50 percent yeah congratulations to the longs on Chipotle Definitely unexpected from my point of view. Uh, okay, who else? Shopify, we've already talked about, but I'm surprised. I thought it was going to be caught up in the tech sell-off. Sort of was, then wasn't. I'm a little bit surprised that it's kind of not, don't have an alpha view on it, but surprised that it's kind of stuck it out when other companies, bigger tech companies have been pulled back. And then Barnes & Noble is another – that was on the value trap side. Retail play seems like a secular decliner. And yet that – you know, it's I think it's down a little this week. So the number I have may not be 100% up to date. But 25% gain from Barnes & Noble. I mean, good for yeah. them. That, nice little value number. play. That's what it says in our little agenda. Nice little value play on the old BKS. Yeah. Surprising. I think we liked it. We liked this idea as a long idea, which is why we covered it at all. But we couldn't find the way through. We couldn't find a path forward for the company as a business. And I don't even know what has changed since then. Maybe nothing. I haven't followed up on it. But it, that was my issue. I didn't, it seemed like the ice cube could just keep melting. So I'm a little, yeah, I think it's a good nominee for biggest surprise. So, Daniel, the nominees are Thor, Chipotle, Shopify, and Barnes & Noble. Who's the winner for 
biggest surprise in terms of stock outcome so far this year. The Alfie goes to Barnes and Noble. Barnes and Noble, winner of the 2018 most surprising stock price performance, Alfie. Good job. Congratulations. Congratulations, you crazy little bookstore. You nice little value play. It's the kitchens. <laughs> Maybe it's the kitchens. They put in kitchens. They, they were doing the kitchen concept, and it just seems that must be, uh, yeah, it's just kind of grinded higher. Maybe there's buyout rumors. I'm just looking at our news headlines. But, um, yeah, it looks like buyout rumors. But that's, hey. Buy it. Why would you buy it? <laughs> I don't know. That's such a weird. Buyout rumors are weird, man. I don't really get it. Like, yeah, okay. Good job, whoever started the buyout rumors. Way to really figure it out. Way to really figure out what's going on. Who doesn't like books? Come on, Mike. Who doesn't like books? I love books. I'm reading a Star Wars book right now. There you Um, go. Really great. Shout out to Timothy Zahn, author of the, the Thrawn saga. Anyway, next category. So... We have a quick category here, which is the Contra to Biggest Surprise. Least Surprising, I have two nominees, and I think they both deserve to win. So I don't know if you want to drum roll for that, but... Yeah, my wait, wait, let me get my drum back out. Okay, here, okay, here we go. Least Surprising, Halcone Resources and General Electric. Woo! Least Surprising. Okay, let's talk about let's talk about Halcone first. So we covered a pretty in deep dive on Halcone. And so what was the expectation and why was the outcome unsurprising? So I don't I didn't listen back to our podcast to see how we phrased it, but I imagine Halcone was a company that we covered a lot in its previous incarnation, everybody pointed to Floyd Wilson's expertise in selling his previous oil companies. And Alcone never really got there, never really had the numbers, and then had, had to file for bankruptcy. Uh, it, of course, got swamped by the oil cycle downturn last time around, but it never really got there. This time around, they were having expanding CapEx problems. They were not really delivering yet, and there was sort of hope that they would. but. I, and I think this is another one where we're like, which pattern should you look at? Should you look at the fact that he sold three companies in the past? Or should you look at the fact that Halcone just went bankrupt and then it's coming back out? And I think the latter is what played out. It was, you know, now it was at about five bucks a share when we talked about it. It's now at two bucks a share. Another oil t- downturn may be swamping it. So it's, you know, you can point to extenuating circumstances, but it hasn't been... It's just not surprising. It just doesn't seem like it's a super viable company. The last article we published from a good author, Atticus Research, let me pull it up so that I can get the title right. But I think it typifies where we are. This is somebody who has been bullish the stock. The author's title is Time to Put Halcone Out of Its Misery. I just think that that, that sums it up. So just couldn't get its act together. Stock's down 57% since we covered it. Unsurprising to Daniel's mind. All right, next up. What's going on with GE? What's up with GE? GE. GE. What happened? (laughs) What happened to you, GE? What's going on? What's up? That was a... 
Stock down 47% since we talked about it. Daniel's not surprised. Daniel, walk us through. Well, look, GE has the pension issues. They have the balance sheet. They just didn't really have a lot going positively. I think you made this really – you said, what if we valued this – I think you said like Berkshire or whatever else. You like you you kind of found a way, and I think you found a, a way to value it somewhere in the high single digits, and we're at seven now – I don't know. Maybe there's still, I haven't looked closely recently. I'm following sort of the headlines and the news, but this is just, it's, you know, it's the way of, way of all flesh as it were, but they just don't seem to have a lot going for them. We said what's going on with GE in our podcast and it doesn't look like a lot good is going on with GE. They're now, they've got a new, they've fired their, Previous new CEO, they've got a new CEO, they're trying to... New, new CEO, not the old new CEO, the new, new one. I mean, we've got uh, one of our news stories from Tuesday is GE sinks to 6.66 a share, which, you know, is is just a number, but is also... It's not a good number. You'd prefer <laughs> other numbers. <laughs> Especially when we started talking about it at about twelve. So yeah, that's a dang. I think Barons maybe Barons went came out with a. Need to double check that. Did Barons recently come out with a long thesis on GE? The Wall Street Journal published one on Heard on the Street, I think, and Stephen Tusa, who is the sell side analyst most renowned for, um, call, he was. I think J.P. Morgan analyst, he rated it a sell up at 35, I think. He moved to hold with a price target of six. You know you're in bad shape when your stock goes up 7 to 9% pre-market because somebody decides it's not a sell anymore. <laughs> it reminds me of Arrested Development when they cut over to Jim Cramer and he upgrades uh, the their family business to it. To a don't buy from a from a sell, <laughs> and they're like cheering and like we're don't buy, we're don't buy now. <laughs> That's where we are with G, and I, and I just I don't think anybody paying attention would call it that surprising. We're in the blues blues industries, uh, blues holdings range with G, but so yeah, and unfortunately that kind of feels like you know maybe you would think that that buy call. You would think maybe now would be a time for contrarian move in GE, perhaps, and maybe that was the deal here. But now that that's out there, the contrarian move's kind of already been made. So I don't know how the market works with that. It's too reflexive. Too reflexive. So Halcone and GE, congratulations for being <laughs> the least surprising <laughs> negative investment outcome of 2018 <laughs> behind the idea. All right. Best performing idea. I think this is this our last stock specific category. It is, and there's really, you know, there's you can't nominate. We're just looking at the numbers here, but our two best performing ideas, one on the short side and one on the long side. You know what they are, Mike? I do know what they are, Daniel. On the short side, it's it's what Energis Energis. What a, my pronunciation continues to. I think it's Energus. I think it's. I think that's a hard G. Energus. Well, 
Hard G, falling on hard times. Down 60% this year. Down 60%. Amit Gate was all over this one. Good performance. Nice result there on the short side. And best performing idea on the long side, Daniel. We've already hit it. It's Chipotle. Chipotle. As far as if you're talking about from when we posted to December 11th, that is the top performer. The tile shop, which is actually down, got up as much as 60%. So I wanted to kind of throw that as an honorable mention. If you were nimble, you could have done well with that. But Chipotle is the biggest, biggest long performer of, of the Behind the Idea universe. And if you do something with the tile shop that some of our Seeking Alpha authors like to do, which is if you compound out the returns <laughs> on the tile shop. So let's say that return of 60% happened in six months and you were able, you view yourself as able to replicate that and compound that return over time through your thought process, then that's, you know, 156% return annualized. If you feel like that's a responsible performance presentation, then. That's between you and your conscience. Final judge, yes. <laughs> uh, but but anyway, uh, I think it deserves credit as a as a nice call. I don't know whether um, how the trading actually played out, but it did have a nice run. So yeah, and Michael Rogus, who Michael Rogus, who wrote that one up, I think he he was very clear on this being a high risk, high reward sort of situation. I thought it was a it was a very thoughtful thesis, and I hope it you know like it. I I wouldn't. I, I'm not mad at how that one played out. So me neither. I'm not mad at all. Okay, so let's bang out the listener awards real quick. We want to honor, respect, and thank some of our listeners who really give us the drive and energy to continue doing this. We've had some really nice audience growth since we debuted the podcast. It's been a great year, I think, in terms of just us feeling like we're connecting with people. So just run down. Daniel, you can uh, interject as you see fit, but I'll just kind of run through uh, a list of some of our uh, top listeners who deserve a little special recognition. So. Uh, first is Garov Kolkarni, who wrote in a really nice and thoughtful email. He's one of the first people to ever tell us that he was a fan of the podcast, which is, you know, uh, we kind of sit here recording these out, and sometimes it feels like they go out into the ether and they're not reaching people. So that was really nice. And he also planted the seed for the Amazon miniseries, which uh, we view as a big success and we found to be a very rich experience my comments about its inclusion in the nominee list notwithstanding next up melanie cohen she's a friend she's a friend of mine and a friend of the podcast and uh avid listener and she taught us about handstands and their value to yoga practitioners helping us understand jeff bezos a little bit better hey so, good job yeah and she also made fun of me for mispronouncing Jeff Bezos's name throughout the podcast. So shout out to you, Melanie, for correcting my bad behavior. Wonderful. Wonderful stuff. Next up, Fat Tony. Who's, Fat Tony. Uh, Fat Tony is a pseudonymous online person. We don't know who they really are. Shout There's a connect connection to 
Nassim Nicholas Taleb's writing, I think. I think there's a Fat Tony in one of his books. Oh. Ah. You know, I have not read all of Taleb's work. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. Uh, I, I haven't read it at all, but he's also a Simpsons character, to be fair. That's true. Uh, shout out to Fat Tony, Taleb slash Simpsons character. For calling us value hipsters, Daniel and I are value hipsters. We wear that on our sleeves and we're proud of that fact. And for being just a huge booster on Twitter, engaging with us on a platform where I have like only a few followers. And Daniel, I think you're not, you're, I not, have soaking wet. you're not soaking wet with followers. So yeah, thanks Fat Tony for making us feel good about our, our Twitter presence. Next up, Alex Kivali, who had the creativity to have us review one of his ideas on the podcast and then coming on the show to talk about it, explain his thought process and defend his uh, thinking for uh, his long idea on Manchester United. So shout to you, Alex. Daniel, who is Poti and why is he or she on this list? Poti was the one who left us the nicest review on iTunes. And I just feel it would be rude to not shout it out. Poti pointed out that we spur critical thinking among the investor class, insisting on thoughtful inquisition without offering any answers, which is very nice. (laughs) (laughs) It's very, I I don't know that we actually achieved that, but it's very, uh, it's very kind and kindness is a good thing in the world. And so we appreciate that. Speaking of that, uh, no one is kinder than Robin Kurdick, who uh, pushed back on our, She's, first of all, a colleague at Seeking Alpha. Pushed back on our bubbly thesis. Listens week in and week out. Bless her heart. And uh, is just way too positive. Leaves social media reviews. Retweets us on Twitter. Thank you, Robin. Uh, you're a great colleague and a great listener. In that vein, Joe Sancio gave us the CRISPR. He's been a huge champion. Go ahead, Daniel. Well, he's just sort of the... Sort of the fuel behind the podcast he's been you know really encouraging really giving us tips giving us ideas chatting with us and really just eager about what we're doing and so joe thank you we appreciate your uh yeah your support sorry about how crisper has been playing out (laughs) yeah tough one all right and last among the listener awards is you that's right you listening to this right now. Thank you. Thank it's you. Because of you and the potentially thousands of other non-bot listeners we have on Behind the Idea that uh, we're able to do this, continue the show, and pursue it. We started this podcast with a hunch that there might be some interest in doing deep dives on specific investment ideas. We've been rewarded with a high level of engagement and certainly enough to justify continuing the podcast into the coming year. And that's thanks to everyone who's tuned in. So you, yes, you, thank you. We appreciate you. And we appreciate you because this has been a pretty self-indulgent, self-referential podcast, and we thank you for joining us in on that. Daniel, do you have any last words for closing out 2018? No, I'm out. All right. No words left. We have no wisdom, no conclusions. Closing behind the idea the way we close every episode. 
Uh, happy holidays to everybody. Have a happy new year. And thanks again for listening. Uh, we appreciate you. Uh, Daniel, let's get out of here. All right. Bye, man. Bye. Thanks for listening to our year-end special for Behind the Idea. As we just said, we really appreciate having these listeners. And if you've stuck it out this long, you must really be a dinosaur. We'll resume publication as normal at the beginning of January. Probably January 8th will be our first we may slip in one more holiday behind idea special sort of episode in America. Otherwise, we appreciate your support this year. You can sign up for this on SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, just about anywhere else you get your podcast. You can email us at btipod at seekingalpha.com with feedback, requests, or tomatoes to throw at us. And if you can leave a review on any of those platforms, we'd love it. We're looking forward to making year two even better than year one. We appreciate your support again one more time. Uh, disclosures. I am long Ford. I am long Disney. Mike is long PSQ. Otherwise, I don't think we have any positions in any stocks discussed. And nothing on this podcast meant as investment advice of any sort. Have a happy holiday season. Best of luck in your investing in 2019. And we hope to see you in 2019 on Behind the Idea. Stay tuned for a special, special bonus part to this Behind the Idea. Brother, I swallow the time has come. Margin of safety has had its run, it's no way to say. Where's growth going? What you modeling for? Bogle heads don't wanna index with a neutral view. It's true.
Silencio 